This is Lilac Wine, the podcast. If you missed the previous two episodes, you may want to take a listen. We are releasing Lilac Wine, the novel, one chapter at a time. And I don't want you to miss anything. It was the summer of 1917. As America prepares to shed her blood on a distant shore, two lonely people are brought together by fate, torn apart by war, consecrated by wine. Lilac Wine. This is Lilac Wine, the podcast. Each episode features a chapter from the novel, a rough draft, if you will, read by the author, Bruce Janu. New chapters will be written throughout the life of this podcast, until the novel is complete. Join the discussion and make suggestions at lilacwinenovel.com. Stay tuned after the reading for further information about the chapter you just heard. And now, Lilac Wine. Chapter 2 While the whole town was in a flutter over the day's casualty, Abelia was enjoying her first picnic of the year. Her favorite flower, Poet's Narcissist, had recently bloomed, and the sweet aroma saturated the yard and had invited butterflies and swift-moving bees that darted back and forth between the canary-yellow eyes of the flowers. The white petals rocked gently in the warm breeze as Abelia, herself saturated from a pleasant midday meal, stretched out over the large red picnic blanket and closed her eyes to the vibrant sun. As in years past, she had opened a bottle of wine for the event, this time a bottle of cherry wine made from the fruit of trees she kept near the back of her property. The fragrant scent of black cherries lingered as the wine left a slight lightheadedness, eased only by the warm light penetrating her eyelids. Wine was a forbidden fruit in Lily Springs, so to speak. Abelia often resorted to making her own wine due to the difficulty of attaining stock. One had to smuggle it from across the river in nearby Illinois or have it mailed in indiscreet packaging. Growing up in Ohio, Abelia learned from her mother how to make country wine and had been experimenting over the years using different fruits and flowers. She considered it to be her one and only vice. One year she had indulged too much of a great bottle of blackberry wine she had made and bottled the previous summer. She spent the afternoon swaying recklessly from the wooden swing hanging from the weeping willow in her backyard, crying and laughing as if she were a child again, carefree and impetuous. These feelings were embedded deep within her body and rarely shown outside the surface, at least around other people. As a child, she had been kept away from most other children, except for school, and she found ways of entertaining herself in the backyard of her house. Things had not changed as an adult. Her next-door neighbor, Rose, had witnessed the event on the swing and had told the town as she sat one pleasant morning on her bench in the triangle. She called Abelia undomesticated. But sometimes... Unbeknownst to the others in Lily Springs, as Rose sat in her window and watched Abelia walk among her plants and flowers, she occasionally felt a twinge of envy. Although Abelia was odd and considered by many a recluse, Rose 
secretly liked the freedom that she displayed. She liked the way Abelia walked through her garden, seductively swaying her arms and touching the soft petals of the flowers with her fingertips. Only in her garden could Abelia be seen in acting such a manner, and Rose was really the only person in Lily Springs to be a witness to such behavior. For when she was in town or around others, Abelia was very quiet and timid. She walked swiftly while in town, her eyes lowered to the ground. It's not that she was afraid of other people. She just didn't know what to say. Abelia knew that Rose had seen her that day, and she also knew that Rose watched her repeatedly from the second-story window. She didn't like that feeling of being watched. It made her feel extremely vulnerable. Therefore, Abelia grew a wall between her and Rose. "'What are you doing out there, Abby?' Rose asked from the window of her second-floor bedroom a few days after witnessing Abelia on the swing. Abelia was busy turning over sod with a hoe. Nothing, she replied without lifting her head. Rose watched her neighbor with a suspicious curiosity, and when the small shrubs that Abelia had planted began their vertical growth, Rose immediately knew what was happening, and she did what came naturally, complained. Abelia Brody, you can't put that there, she stated. Abelia ignored her neighbor and continued watering the pink dogwood shrub, which, miraculously, due to Abelia's watering concoction of sugar, tea, and other secret ingredients, including, it was rumored, a touch of human tears, had grown to shoulder level in a few weeks. I'll complain, Rose warned, and soon Gerald was brought into the fracas. He just shook his head with disgust at Rose, for Abelia hadn't violated any law. She only obstructed Rose's view. Within two years, the shrub had grown a full 14 feet. Its broad pink flowers obstructed the view Rose had from her second-story bedroom. Rose never really recovered from the sting to her ego and still shot Abelia angry looks on the street. Abelia turned on her side, drew her arms to her chest, and curled like a baby in a crib. The sun cloaked her body in a blanket of warmth as the wine lured her into a drowsy rest. The orange glow she saw with her eyes closed soon faded as sleep overtook her. She loved falling asleep in her garden, for the aroma brought to her pleasant thoughts and visions. Vibrant colors and sounds danced in her mind— Often while sleeping among her flowers, Abelia dreamt of mountains with swift-moving streams. Rarely did her dreams contain people, only animals and plants. Such would be a perfect world, she thought. While the wine pulled her into a dream, she saw in her mind a vast field of green. The tall blades of grass surged in the wind like waves on an ocean. Yellow heads of poppies helplessly tossed back and forth in the breeze. Abelia was alone in the field, and she was afraid. Nervously, she glanced around. Out in the distance, a black cord of smoke twisted angrily in the sky. Deep, loud rumblings echoed through the air. It sounded like thunder in the distance. But she knew... 
it was not thunder. <clears throat> Excuse me, Abby? Abelia's eyes shot open, her head spinning slightly with the dizziness of the wine as the unpleasant dream vanished in the white of reality. Eclipsed in the bright beams of light, the figure of a rotund man stood menacingly above the blanket on which Abelia was resting. A dog sat obediently at his feet. She recognized the dog as one of the many that belonged to Archbishop, the postmaster. Abby? Glenn Hobbert, one of the postal carriers in Lily Springs, asked again. Abelia rubbed her eyes and squinted. I'm sorry to disturb you, but I was sent here by the doctor. Uh, you see, Owens had an accident again, and Doc Foster needs something. Um, let me see, he said, reaching for a slip of crumpled paper in his pocket. Oh, yes, uh, comfrey leaves. Abelia rose and rubbed her temple a slight pulsating pain under the skin, remnants of the dream and wine. Yes, she muttered, comfrey. As she walked to her herb garden, she noticed Glenn glancing disapprovingly at the bottle of wine and the empty glass on the blanket. Then she remembered that the comfrey had not yet flowered. I think I have some dry leaves inside, she said, without looking at her visitor. I'll be right back. Her pantry was laden with ceramic jars of all shapes and sizes. Painted letters announced the contents. Alder tree bark, angelica, anise, bilberry bindweed, bloodroot, barrage, burdock leaves, caraway, club boss, comfrey. Taking down the entire jar, she opened the lid and inhaled the scent of the dry leaves. Bitter, musty, as she turned, she reached for a glass jar with beeswax, knowing that Doc Foster was probably going to use the herb for a salve to ease a wound of some sort, as she had taught him many years earlier. Tell Doc Foster that I'm sorry that I don't have fresh leaves at the moment, she said, handing the items to Glenn, but he could easily make a salve combining the leaves with the beeswax, he must soak the leaves first in warm water, or they won't work properly. Thanks, ma'am, replied Glenn. I'll let him know. Once he had the jars balanced in one arm, he tipped his hat and turned to go. Come, Teddy, he said to the dog. Mr. Hobbert? Glenn stopped at the gate and turned. Yes, ma'am? Abelia hesitated a moment and then took a small step forward. How is he? Owen, that is. Oh, you know Owen, Abby. He's always fallen down. Broke a leg, I guess, by the pond. Bruised some ribs, too, I think. He'll be all right. There was an awkward pause. Abelia smiled hesitantly and quickly lowered her gaze, crumpling her hands into the folds of her dress. If there is anything else I can do, she said softly. Thanks, Abby. I'll let the doc know and he was gone. Abelia inhaled deeply, the sensation of the wine a distant memory. By her quick calculations, she realized that her brief encounter with Glenn had been her only human contact in two and a half weeks. So that was chapter two of Lilac Wine. And uh, 
as uh, I am talking here, I'm just finishing up, actually, a glass of Cabernet Sauvignon. And uh, I realized something, that drinking wine while trying to read a chapter from a book is not the best thing. It kind of dries your mouth out, actually. I recently myself got into wine making. I bottled a couple of months ago a bunch of Sauvignon Blanc and uh, gave some away for Christmas. Uh, it turned out actually really good. And just a few feet from me right now, I have five gallons of Cabernet Sauvignon just aging. And I'll probably be bottling it around November, October or November or so. It's sitting aging on some oak right now in this spring. Uh, I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm actually looking for a place where I can get lilac flowers because I'm going to make a small batch of lilac wine, which obviously figures into this story. And by that time, uh, we will have gotten to the chapter uh, where lilac wine plays a big part, and maybe I'll be drinking some of my own at that time. Since you know, starting this novel a while ago, there's a lot that I had to learn about, and we're going to be learning more about Abelia and her her gifts, not just with winemaking, but also with the garden. And so, uh, in this chapter, we got a little taste of what Abelia can do with her garden and what she is really kind of known for. And we're going to be going into her garden, not just her herb garden, but her tree that she's got back there. She's into grafting where she can, you know, graft different types of trees, fruit trees together so they have different fruit And it was something that I didn't really know about. So in this process, I had to read up a lot on gardening and and, and grafting and plants and so forth. And Abelia's name, uh, as I mentioned in our last episode, was not originally Abelia. It was Annette. And then uh, while reading about some um, shrubs, <laughs> I, I, I came across Abelia, and I just thought that that worked so much better. We'll be learning about that a little bit, a little bit later. But in this chapter, what I want to obviously there, you know, we're working on something. Owen's accident is going to be bringing. Our, our next character to Lily Springs. We're going to meet him next chapter. In the next chapter, we are jumping to Chicago. Chicago, 1917, to meet Robert Bishop. And so these first two chapters were designed to kind of introduce us, not just to Abelia, but to some of the residents of Lily Springs and get a feel for what Lily Springs is like or beginning to get a feel for that. And again, as I go through this process, I am not altering at all what I originally wrote. This is an extremely rough draft, and uh, I'm taking you on this process. And uh, as I was reading it, and as I, I, I didn't quite know how to end that chapter, I think that's kind of a little bit 
obvious. It just it just kind of it kind of ends. My chapters tend to be short, little little vignettes, but um, I think that's something. If I were <laughs> to critique that chapter, I think I would critique just the way it ends. Uh, you know, it's not yeah, it's not too it's not too satisfying in that regard. But hey, it is a novel in progress. It is a rough draft. Thank you for coming along with me on this journey. So uh, more information about the podcast can be found at lilacwinenovel.com. I've got a message board up there. So you can go and you can make comments. You could ask me questions and I'll try and answer them on the podcast. You have any suggestions? Um, constructive criticism is always welcome. That's really one of the reasons why I'm putting this uh, out there. You know, to get the critiques, to get the criticisms, to try and make this better. It's also a means for me to finish this thing. I really want to get this uh, get this done. And it's so, you know, these 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 characters have been in my head for so long. They're like uh, they're like a part of me. and i I really just love reading it out loud. And I hope you do too. So until next week, when Chapter 3 is released and you meet Robert Bishop, thanks for listening again, lilacwinenovel.com. See you next week. This podcast is produced by Bell Book and Camera Productions. Visit bellbookcamera.com for more information. Lilac Wine is written and produced by me, Bruce David Janu. All content is copyrighted and cannot be used without expressed written permission. If you are liking Lilac Wine, the podcast, please take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes. That will help us gain more listeners. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. The intro voiceover was provided by my colleague and friend, Rachel Vissing. We work together on another podcast at the school where we both work. That podcast is We Are EG and tells the stories of students and staff at Elk Grove High School, but demonstrates that no matter where you are, we all have something in common. Check that podcast out at weareg.org and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. All music and sound effects are licensed through audioblocks.com. Please visit Lilac Wine Novel to join the discussion. Ask me questions, make comments. The purpose of Lilac Wine, the podcast, is to discuss the creative process. Your comments and suggestions are greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening. Thank you.